This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Stephen Carpatella. We're going to talk a bunch about how he helps people in a variety of ways, but especially in that mortgage and lending industry and financing needs for over 10,000 families. Before we dive into it, I remind you, this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a podcaster, YouTuber, or content creator, and you want to create tactical content that delivers even better, head over to nightly.productions to find out how we can help you create that tactical content and help you deliver it. Again, that's nightly.productions. Stephen, welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. Man, I'm super excited about this. It's something that we've had on the books for a while now and finally going to be able to get to knock it out and dive a little bit into your story. And just to give the audience a little bit about you, overall, you're a passionate, proven leader with two decades of experience in the mortgage industry. Throughout your career, like I mentioned, you've helped over 10,000 families with their financing needs, lending an estimated $3 billion in loan volume that is B with a billion on the back end of it, a ton of money helping a lot of folks in that way. And your ability to analyze complex tax returns and financial situations creates a niche for self-employed borrowers. In your words, with a strong background in finance and accounting and the mentality that a relationship is more important than the loan, you always knew you could level a playing field for the consumer in a world where there's a lack of education about managing our finances. And I know that was kind of what our first conversation was about when we met at a local sports venue in a, in a game here in Atlanta. But before we really dive into that passion and everything you've built over the last few years, tell us what's a fun fact that we might not know about you from that professional side. Fun fact, surfing is my other job. That's my other passion in life. Mortgages and surfing compete with each other. Sometimes surfing feels like work and most of the time it feels like fun <laughs> and vice versa. You know, most of the time mortgages feel like fun and sometimes it feels like work. But yeah, I've traveled all over the world, you know, still at 48 years young and pushing the, the needle and progressing. That's awesome, man. I know uh, surfing probably has a lot of disciplines back and forth that you can kind of integrate into business as a whole. What got you into that as a sport? I mean, realistically a sport, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine that yeah. I don't surf, so I don't, I don't really go that hard into it. Yeah, I, I grew up playing sports, loved baseball, ran track, football, basketball, some of it in league, some of it just with local friends and stuff like that. We used to play all the time. And, you know, our family used to vacation at the beach, emerging from Bucks County, Pennsylvania, the Jersey Shore. And we used to rent a house for a week every summer. And I would go down there and I just started really falling in love with the ocean in general. Like that week of the year was like one of my favorite weeks. And, you know, started off boogie boarding and getting out in the waves and just love like, you know, just the constantly changing fluid dynamics of the ocean, you know, the wind, the tide, the swell direction, all these things. I'm, you know, kind of nerd out on like meteorology and things like that. And my aunt Linda, my godmother, she was a teacher. So she would start, they started renting a house for the summer. So I started, I was like, I'm going to go stay with aunt Linda during the summers, you know? So I was pretty much living at the beach during the summers. And one of the houses we rented, there was a couple of lifeguards who lived in the garage that was like converted into a little apartment. There's all these surfboards and smelled like wetsuits and surf wax. And I don't know, I just thought they were like the coolest guys ever. And my parents didn't want me surfing because it was too dangerous. So they're like, you can use this board over here anytime you want. So my parents aren't around during the week because they're working. So I would sneak and take a board out. 
one of the most frustrating things I've ever experienced. I'd argue I've quit surfing a hundred times over. You know, I couldn't figure out how to get to my feet, stand up and ride a wave. And then one day they let me try this longboard and it's really long, like it's 10 foot board. And it took all the balance out of it. And you could just like, it's like a canoe without sides, you know, like super easy to paddle. And it was just really glassy. Like there was no wind. The ocean was like a mirror and the little small day it was maybe like waist high. And I took off on this wave and I rode it all the way down the beach. And I remember just getting low and dragging my hand on the wave. And I mean, I literally remember like it's happening right now. Like that's how vivid it is for me. And my life changed. Like I was like, oh my, I was so blown away. I couldn't wait to get back out there and try to catch another wave. And I was like, this is it. I'm done all sports. I played soccer for a long time. I was really, you know, played on traveling teams. And I was like, I'm, I didn't go back to practice that summer. I was done. And I spent the rest of my high school career drawing murals of waves and stuff on desk and getting in trouble for it. Like, it just blew my mind. I was like, I got to figure out a way to do this the rest of my life. I just knew I'm on the planet to surf, riding waves. Man, and fast forward now, a few years later, and obviously with it being the secondary job, essentially, you've been able to maintain that. And you said something that was pretty interesting where you've quit it over a hundred times, probably. And that frustration gets mounting. But I know a lot of what you talk about with different pieces of your journey is really making sure you're giving yourself that grace. And I think obviously in something like surfing, that could be a huge piece of it. But even when you fast forward over to business or life finances, especially, you have to have a little bit of grace. Can you talk to us about how the surfing mindset, give yourself grace there is fed over into the business world where you're highly successful with EPM? Yeah. I mean, you teed that one up great. I mean, it's just so obvious and I'd love to see if everyone could have that aha moment in hearing this. We watch sports, most people do, whether you even watch sports or don't watch sports, someone's always got a game on and stuff like that. And pick the sport, you know, let's just say football, for example, is just super popular. There are mistakes and failures that happen every single game. Balls are overthrown, not caught, fumbled, dropped, sacks, right? There's plays that just don't go right. You don't see them all walking off the field after one play, right? It's back up and back in the huddle and onto the next one. Like it never happened. Baseball, you know, Eddie, you know, coined this one, but like, you know, the 350 rule. You're batting 350 in baseball, you're Hall of Fame. Failing 65% of the time to make the Hall of Fame. Like, if you think about it, that's pretty crazy, right? So the whole saying, like, practice makes perfect, maybe it never makes perfect. But the point is, you know, the, anything you're going to do well in life is a discipline, and a discipline requires practice. You're not just going to go do karate and learn karate in one day. You're not going to learn surfing in one day. You're not going to learn mortgages in one day. You're not going to learn anything in one day, unless it's maybe making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Like something very simple. Something very easy, uh, but where it requires a you know cognitive, physical, or both. You know, like you know, I, I just love sports and how it connects with business, or at least I've made that connection because sports you think performance, and when I think with a lot of people when they think about business, they just think work. Like, hey, it's my job. No, how about if you actually showed up and performed at your job? Mm. Like, why can't we all be professional business players? And I started treating myself like an athlete in business and going, hey, why not? Why shouldn't I do the work on and off the field? You know, like maybe what I do for a living while I'm walking and talking on, on calls all day or punching a keyboard isn't physical. That doesn't mean I shouldn't maintain my physicality. It makes me feel better. It makes me perform better. I can process more information. I can handle stress better. So it's really tying those two, two together and realizing like the game of life to some degree is a sport, you know, <laughs> that require, requires all aspects of us to, you know, all disciplines of our lives to be dialed in. And it really does. And that leads really well into, you know, you talk about having a routine and being very set and furthering yourself, having that discipline. And one of the things you've said before is like with awareness comes choice, right? Once you have that awareness attached, you have a choice attached to it. Can you explain that phrasing to us and how that applies to a routine? Yeah. So I, I started, 
you know, intention, intentionality was like the fir- my first favorite word. Like, you know, people have favorite colors. It was my first favorite word. I love the, the word intentional because of like the commitment that comes with it. You know, if you're intentional with everything you do, like return on intention, not return on investment. If you're intentional, the return's always going to be there, right? And, you know, I started getting into words and then I was like, well, if I'm intentional and I have perspective, you know, I could occur for others in a way that's going to obtain the desired outcomes and results. And then someone recently, you know, I stole that awareness with awareness comes choice, by the way, Darius from TMS. He's the man, but he's like, well, without awareness, you can't have anything else. And I was like, shoot, you're right. Like, like awareness comes first. So awareness became my number one word because without awareness, I can't be intentional. Does that make sense? Like you can't have anything else if you're not aware of how you're being. So I started going on this word bender and started rereading these words and actually looking up the definitions, you know, Google them and reading, you know, back in the day when we learned these words, it was for a spelling bee or Mm -hmm. a memorization test. But now you reread these words with all those years of experience. And I'm like having aha moments, reading simple words going, I've used this word a million times. And I'm, it's like, I'm looking at it for the first time ever and really understanding what it means. So I've really gotten on that, you know, with awareness and intentionality and perspective and all these things that I've built into my life. And it's funny. I'm that guy and almost to being a jackass to a certain extent of like, well, the word you just used means this. And I don't understand the context with which you're using it because the actual definition of it, it actually makes me laugh where we talk about having that awareness and you can't have anything else without that awareness. My word of the year for this 22 was intentionality and being very intentional with a lot of things. But even that word, people don't necessarily understand what intentionality is as a whole. Have you been a lifelong learner attached to whether it's been reading or books or mentors? Is there something that you've really seen that has helped shift that mindset to where you're more inquisitive about certain things like that? Curiosity became one of my favorite words. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's that saying? Everyone hates to know it all. Like if you learned everything, like, I don't know, it's like, it's over. Like you've reached the pinnacle, you've reached the top, you know, everything you're the best, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, there's nothing left to strive for. So for curiosity, curiosity to me represents the never ending pursuit of learning, right? You know, a lot of people say in sales, you know, always be, always be closing. I say, always be curious. You know, if you're asking questions, you know, be interested, not interesting, you know, type behavior. And, you know, my business, you know, we talk a lot about relationships, you know, like I can get, we can get as many people. I'm, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like most people can't define what a relationship is. It's trust. It's, you know, being together. No, it's the way in which two two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected or the state of being connected. You know, a rim to a wheel, a plug to a socket, a key to a keyhole, right? Like, you know, that's what a relationship is. And, you know, in terms of the physical sense, like an object, but also people, the state of being connected to be in a relationship with somebody. And there's obviously all those different types of relationships. So yeah, I went a little sideways there, but. No, I, I love that piece a of great it. Great example. Like if you ask five people in the room to define a relationship, you're going to get five different definitions and none of them are ac- going to be accurately depicting what a relationship is. A hundred percent. And that's something that I almost laugh about with our, our mutual friends that we both know attached to business and doing different things. You and I both talk on those terms, right? And really defining like moving forward in a way that is impactful for both people, not necessarily monetarily, but also in that relational community way. And that's something that I really respect about. Yeah. Um, the first conversations that we had, you really were focused on that piece of it. And when you realize what you do in the world with EPM being the top dog over there, I mean, you're doing some amazing things and, and you know, billions of dollars that you've helped families get that funding and that lending and, and focus on having a home. 
you're helping people create something in a totally different capacity, which is like a baseline relationship builder or in this society, that could be a relationship breaker with a lot of marriages breaking up over money and divorcing over that thing. So like you're right in the middle of it all. So having that relationship first mindset as an organization, has that shifted the efficacy of the business or the relationships you've had with clients and potential clients and team members? Yeah, absolutely. And you just hit on a couple of different aspects there, right? It's not just the relationship with the client. You know, like if you peel back the planet Earth, if we go up 50,000 feet and look down on this place, you know, we are all a bunch of ants running around. If you could time lapse it, handing money back and forth to each other, right? We buy and sell goods and services from each other. And if you're in the relationship business, you're going to do whatever that is better than someone who isn't, right? Like if you're selling t-shirts and you're a relationship first mentality, you're going to sell more t-shirts. It's just that simple. Our dollars are votes. We don't even go to different people to cut our hair for the most part. And me and you probably be two good, bad examples of that because I, I was going to say we're terrible. Like, yeah. And I don't have any hair. So I mean, <laughs> we don't have a haircut, right. But, but we, but when we do, we go yeah. back to the people that we're comfortable. <laughs> we support them. You know, we want the people that we know that we like to make money and it's okay. We're exchanging dollars back and forth. And if you have that relationship mindset, you know, and I really stole this from like the doctor mentality, like we don't go to a different doctor every time we get sick. We're creatures of habit in every aspect of our life. We go to the same restaurant, same bar, same this, same that, right? We we buy the same goods and services. How is this any different in this world, Uh, especially when it comes related to finance, where we live in a world where no one's taught anything about their finances at all? No, literally nothing, nothing at all. Financial Um, illiteracy is like one of the biggest problems in the world. So when we're talking about that piece, and obviously educating clients is a big piece for you, and the methodology that you have has been a fascinating piece when we first talked, but why do you think so many people get wrong when it comes to relationships, business, and really finding that value to give forward to folks? Why do you think people get it wrong? I think we're just, we're programmed wrong. We're taught wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, we're taught to, you know, to win, to get the sale, to, to make the money, right? Like the money is the driver and the motivator. And when, and this is going to sound crazy and I know you, you get it, you know, if you let that be the byproduct instead of the primary target and primary focus, everything changes. Like it's crazy. I can't describe it. Like you just become really good at building, building relationships. Like, you know, Einstein figured out E equals MC squared. I don't really know what that means, but I know that if you build relationships, you will transact more. It'll be the money ultimately ends up becoming the byproduct of great work. And we're on this planet with what? Not robots, people. Billions of people around us every single day. The person that's dropping off your Amazon deliveries, the UPS and FedEx drivers, the mailman, like the person that comes to fix your washer, dryer, whatever it is. Like we're we're connected on so many levels and we look at people as titles instead of looking at them as actual people. And it's really interesting as you talk about that. I mean, there are so many people that get that wrong where the common word or the phrasing is the no like trust factor. And that's like people are ad nauseum just like regurgitating that around. Oh, no like trust, no like trust, but don't actually understand what those three things are when it comes to knowing, liking, and then actually trusting. Because there are a lot of people that I might like, but I wouldn't, you know, throw them from here to the other side of the desk to do business with them. Right. Right. And people kind of start failing on, especially in the, I feel like in this COVID environment, the virtual environment, a lot of people start failing on that piece of it, of recognizing like there's so much more to like, let's get a couple of coffees and virtual coffees or a beer together. There becomes so much more when it comes to adding value to each other that actually helps that trust factor. Yeah. And get look, we have mechanisms, you know, there's a lot of psychology. I teach a lot of psychology to my team, not just the, you know, the offense and you know, the relationship origination aspect, the, the processors, the underwriters, everybody, you know, talk to them about the psychology of things like 
you know, we got to get to know each other. You know, you got to peel back the onion and ask questions. And when you get to know people, our brains are designed to fill in the gaps. You know, if I put a word, you know, if I still put just it, you know what the middle word is. If I put the Nike swoosh on there, just do it, right? Like we fill in the gaps. So we judge people every every day. We look at people, we, we size them up, we scan them, and we start filling in the narrative gap. And when you actually get to know people, I mean, how many times have you heard or seen in a movie, a show, or in real life where you're like, man, you know, I look at that guy, I was like, whoa, you know, this person's got some challenges, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to know him, you're like, nicest person in the world. Crazy, right? Like, look, the book, don't judge the book by its cover, right? Yeah, 100%. And I love too much that. Too much of that 100%. Way, way too much, especially in the Instagram world or the social media world where people are immediately casting that judgment. And that really goes to core values. And I know at EPM, you'll have some really impressive core values. I imagine some of these really focus into the world that you're bringing, you're living, where you keep those things in alignment. But reading through some of y'all's core values and looking at things, I'm a Dale Carnegie certified guy. So I think about his tenants and how to win friends, influence people, how to live without fear aspects of it. And it's really interesting the things that y'all highlight about doing the right thing, always treasure, protect, and promote the brand, really speaking courageously, choosing positivity, um, really thinking about the organization first and how to further that. But the very last one I, I laugh about because it's like, this is like you to me, right? When I think about you, this is what encapsulates. Keep things fun. You're always having yeah. a good time. You're going to games. You're socializing with the team. You know, there are a lot of core values attached to it. Are those the core values you have personally, or do you have a set of core values that you bring into the business that further those values with the organization? Yeah, I think it's important. Like this comes back to like, almost like think of like having an identity crisis. Like, you know, everybody should do this exercise and sit down and think about the words that drive them. You know, so again, awareness for me, without awareness, I have no choice, right? I'm not, you know, with awareness, I have it. Perspective, you know, to see things, to see every angle, to try to put myself in your shoes and see what you're seeing. Creativity, I love creating. Intentionality and balance, like my top five. And, you know, knowing the definitions of those words, knowing what they mean to me and how they show up in my behaviors and my actions, like those are the drivers. There's so many words out there and there's too many to choose. But, you know, start with a couple, you know, get like, I think a lot of people have identity crisis, right? They're incongruent with the way that, you know, they see themselves and how someone else may see them, you know, start defining who you are, start picking some words, pick three. And that's a big piece. I love that you bring that because that's a big piece in the veteran space or just in the transition space. You have people going from corporate into business ownership, really trying to identify themselves. A big piece of my journey is losing the uniform, you know, getting medically discharged, getting the injury and losing that identity where people you know, you, you surf, you travel the world, you do different things. Do you see that as your identity? Do you see EPM as your identity? What would you recommend to people that haven't found that identity? Find a couple words, but beyond that, how do they get further into like making this identity for themselves so that really brings them into their own brand, if that makes sense? Yeah, start investing time into yourself. Like get like introspection, reading. You mentioned that earlier. Like we went a little sideways on that, but like, yeah, I mean, like reading was a challenge for me. Not to go too deep in this, but I, I grew up with sleep apnea, could barely pay attention, stay awake in school. And now I've learned to read bite sizes. Like I'll read a page. If it's a page a day, you know, like I tell people, you learn one new word every day, you learn 365 new words in a year. Like like time keeps going and never stops. And just learn to, to dedicate some time to yourself. There's 24 hours in a day. Let's say you get your seven or eight hours or six to eight hours of sleep. Let's just call it eight to give us less time. That's 16 hours left over, like 10 minutes to read something. Like if you're not consuming 
information, you're never going to evolve your thought process. Invoke some, you know, contrarian views, like, get, you know, like really formulate proper opinions versus what you heard. And a lot of times we attach ourselves to other people, right? Like our icons or people that, that we associate with and their values become our values. You know, have your own, you know, test that theory. Like, do you really believe in these things? And don't just listen to social media and get all your information from your newsfeed on social media, your quote unquote newsfeed, right? That drives me nuts. No independent yeah, thinking anymore. Coherency, right? Yeah, man, I love that piece. And I want to talk a little bit of shift just slightly into more of the business world. A lot of what we're talking about is where you bring values into a relationship with clients. Tell us a little bit more about EPM and everything you're doing on that side of it. Because I know you've been in the industry for quite a while. Can you just give yeah. us a good rundown of the organization? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we feel like this is a key pivot in the industry going on right now. Like for a lot of you know people that don't know what's going on, you know, interest rates shot up to 20 year highs in a matter of nine months, you know, from 3% to 7.5% in the blink of an eye. A move like that rate would normally take like five, six years. I mean, it's not even on the charts. You know, rates move the full point in four days in one case or a half a point in a day. It's just been a really crazy year. And that's shaking things up in the industry. And, you know, we believe that, you know, there's a big change in the guards going on. You know, the average person who originates loans is over 60 years old right now. Like that's real data. You know, so we see a big change in the guards, a lot of M&A going on, a lot of, you know, owners of companies getting out, a lot of New younger owners, you know, like Eddie, for example, you know, starting to take the spotlight and we see an opportunity to, you know, what worked for the last 10, 20 years doesn't mean that's going to work for the next 10, 20 years. You know, so we want to emerge as a a leader in culture and vision. You know, we want to take the sales aspect out of the mortgage industry. We feel like just like you have a doctor, lawyer, accountant, financial advisor, you know, you have these key professionals in your life. You should have a mortgage professional. You should have someone who's going to manage your home ownership journey because it's not just one home. It might be the starter home and then you have a family, you need bigger space and you move into something else with three beds instead of two beds. Maybe you have multiple levels and you get older and you know my knees are killing me. I need a master on the main, you know, and you got to downsize or you don't want to cut your lawn anymore. And you want to be in an association or you want to move the warmer climates. The homeownership journey is multiple transactions. It's not just one. And then you got equity cycles, refi cycles, like, you know, divorces, deaths, you know, like, like life throws us curveballs. You know, life is a liquid environment. You talked about like how surfing ties to like this business, like it's just constantly changing, just like the ocean conditions. So, you know, knowing that there's educators out there, you know, we want to get that word out. That's our call to action and letting people know that there are people in this industry that aren't just call center commission-based salespeople who are trying to make a transaction, that there's people who actually care. And that's our brand narrative. You know, EPM stands for equity prime mortgage. We also say empowering people more. And we do that through financial education. And I have to vouch for that piece of it, man. It's, I've bought and sold over the years for many years. And I even even on the VA side, the VA loan side of stuff, where I had a very well-known veteran, quote-unquote, preferred organization kind of rail me at the last minute. Oh, we can't get you the VA loan, so here's the 7% instead of the one point. And it changed my rate by $600 a month for yeah. several years until that refi could happen. I mean, having somebody that actually gives a crap about it and this piece of it, I mean, you're talking, you know, a percentage point or two could really shift the monthly dynamic of a family in a lot of ways. So skyrocketing to Especially highs right like now. this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right insane. now we got inflation, <laughs> you know, health insurance costs are through the roof. I mean, there's nothing that's cheap in life right now. You know, so every dollar's got to get stretched and you got home values at all time highs with interest rates at 20 plus year highs, rates that people haven't seen, you know, arguably ever. And no real telling if it's going to go back down. So you want to make sure or at some point always the ebbs and flows, but um, cycles. 
but you have to plan on, Hey, this might be the mortgage I have for the rest of my life. Yep. Yeah. And having people like you that care. Yeah. I mean, it it helps to have those ins and outs attached to it. And I love that piece of it. And I really want to give the audience an opportunity. If you had one piece of advice or one piece of content that you just absolutely loved, whether reading wasn't your thing, bro, I don't read either. I listen to all of everything's listening. So I listen to books these days, but get a resource that you've had in your life, whether it's a mentor, book, a podcast, something that you've had over the years, what would you recommend to somebody to go figure out more about this relationship building and a lot of the concepts you're talking about? You know, I honestly think it's a life practice. Like, it's just like, I don't know, for me, it just the light bulb went off. It just became common sense. Yeah, but as far as like pushing the envelope and evolving that, you know, if I'm, you know, really thinking on this, you know, Eddie's really pushed me on this. You know, Eddie's our CEO, Eddie Perez. And it's almost like, not that there's friendly competition, you know, but like he's, I see the growth he's doing and he started, you know, I, I've just figured, hey, I can't read, I can't concentrate and I consume information as I can. And he's been, you know, driving that where he's reading, I don't know, like a book a day or something. He's just become a, you know, a maniac with it. And, but that drives me, you know, so I'd say like, that's been an absolute influence in my life and has forced me to make a daily effort to consume something from various sources, audio, but I do it too. audio books. Sometimes I'll just read a couple pages from a book. Sometimes it's something online. I'll Google something and just dive in, you know, go down a rabbit hole of something. He's driven that in me. So, uh, you know, I think I'm grateful to have someone that I work with every day who's I see them leveling up and then you're like, well, I want to level up, you know, <laughs> like, I don't, you know, you're not running away with this, man. I want to stay on your coattails here. So that's been a, a fun process that's been going on for many years now. Yeah, I love that. Having that competitive nature can definitely drive a different level of performance for everybody. So I love that you have that person and Eddie's that guy for you, because I can only imagine how much further it's going to drive you and keep driving EPM. And I want to give the audience an opportunity before we let you go for this episode. What's the best way for them to reach out, find out more about you, find out more? I know EPM's putting out a ton of content. You put out a ton of content. Can you just give us the links, the handles, the best way to find out, reach reach out more? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Steve underscore Carpatella on Instagram. Facebook, you can look me up, Stephen Carpatella. Emails, my first initial last name, S Carpatella, C-A-R-P-I-T-E-L-L-A at EPM.net. And I give my cell phone out to pretty much everybody. So 215-802-4471 if you need to get a hold of me, shoot me a text. Those would be great ways to get a hold. I love it. Steven or CARP is all the people call you around here, man. I appreciate your time today, brother. And I look forward to bringing back Tactical Friday, get a little bit more tactical about everything that EPM's doing in this crazy world. Appreciate your time, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much, Zach. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.